0: Broadcasting live from beautiful, sexy, steamy Studio City, California, this is another episode of The Knapsack Files. I'm your host, Ken Knapsack, and this is a show about life where I bring all the cool, funny, interesting, intelligent, more interesting-than-me characters that I know from my life into your life, and this week we have a very, very nice man. Do you like that? Oh, oh you're looking behind
1: your shoulder. You look. A- I wasn't sure if all those descriptions fit me, but... You're yeah. there. Thank you.
0: You're there. And uh, this is a, a comedian, a writer, a podcaster, a, a web series producer, a web series white writer. Not that writer and web series writer are two different things, but sometimes they are yeah. in this world. Uh, Joey Rockenstein. Thank you. Is here. Thank it, you. Is, is, is here in the studio with me. Thank it you. It is good to be here. This was, thank you for coming out because uh, for the audience at home, this was kind of a last minute booking. Um, That's I just, usually how it works out for me. Yeah. Well, I mm-hmm. decided it wasn't last minute like someone canceled, and I was like, oh, let me go to my third choice. Uh, <laughs> I just literally was like, what should I do tonight? I want to talk to uh, want to talk to Joey. Let's see what Joey's doing. So I'm glad you're here. Yeah, Thanks for coming nice. out. My pleasure. Joey, uh, we first met. Um, God, when did we first meet? 2000. There's a difference between meeting and then kind of knowing each other.
1: Yes, so those are two different.
0: I remember you at the comedy store in about 2003 in the belly room doing your, uh, what would I, I would call your signature stand-up bit, the the Pope phone call.
1: Yeah, the confession phone. Confession, confession phone. Confession phone, yes.
0: And so I definitely remembered that before I remembered you. And then I think uh, later on, about 2005, 2006, when I really started doing stand-up more regularly and seeing you around the scenes, that's when I ran into you, right? Is that about yes. right?
1: We saw each other a little bit more often, I would right. say, at the uh, the Room 5 type shows.
0: Yeah. Mark Franco's White Boy Comedy Productions presents. Yes, exactly. Live comedy at room five.
1: And uh, we fit all those descriptions, white boy and comedy. (laughs) Not room five so much, but. You you
0: fit the comedy. Yeah. Uh, Me, not so much at times. And um, you, uh, like I said, so that's 2005, new year 2003. Just maybe last week, I finally remembered to say your name right.
1: It it does. It takes that long, though, because, yeah.
0: You were Joey Rockenstein. Like like a German stein. That is
1: correct. The beer stein. The tendency is to say steam. Especially right after I introduce myself to somebody. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, me as a host
0: probably brought you up to the stage 55 consecutive times with the wrong name. Uh, I'd like to publicly apologize for that uh, right now. Um, though there was, I have one great clip. Um, I have like only two or three great clips of my stand-up. And one of them, you're the host. And... um I uh, I I say the name your name wrong, and then when you come back up uh, after I, I have a great one of my best sets, and then you say my name wrong on purpose. I I love that, <laughs> and you got it in there also. It, it's
1: the least that I could do. It was and right when you said I have a clip, I thought we were actually going to go to a clip. <laughs> we should at some point.
0: <laughs> we should go to a clip here. Roll the clip. Um, when did you start stand up company?
1: I believe it was in 2000. I moved down here. I think. The, the summer of 2000 and, and uh, okay. I believe I started at some point within that year I went on stage at an open mic at the Westwood Brewing Company to be exact on West Brew Co. Uh Kathy Kineke was hosting yeah. and uh, she has a past <laughs> allegedly there's a and, lot of
0: uh, lot of people with past <laughs> and stand up industry <laughs> yes.
1: and uh, she put me up on stage and it was great cause, uh, it was something I wanted to do I felt that like at that time it was going to be my stepping stone to getting on Saturday Night Live Young and fool. <laughs> young exactly. fool. Exactly. Uh,
0: we moved out for the same reasons that I moved out to uh, eventually become the anchor on Weekend Update. Um, not going to happen. I've accepted that. Uh, you, have you accepted your your spot? There's still a chance for you.
1: I, I don't know. I, it's interesting now when I watch the show because my wife went to like a performing arts high school. And yeah. now she looks at the cast in SNL. Oh, I was in class with that guy. I was right. in class with that guy. I'm like, we, you, we need to divorce. I, you should be with that guy. <laughs> 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 you should. <laughs> why aren't you with Tarram? You were in class that's with Tarram Killam. I mean, why are you, you're with me.
0: <laughs> I, I know it's a weird spot because, um, uh, you know, some of my connections to some of the SNL castmates, but you have some too. We all did stand up out here with Andy Sandberg. Yes. Um, I, I was in Groundlings with Kristen Wiig. And then, uh, at the time, one of the, 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 classmates was Mikey Day who, who didn't go to SNL, at least not yet. But his girlfriend at the time was Nassim Petrod. His roommate was Taron Killam. I, I was at parties and gatherings, and, and sometimes the self-loathing takes over, and I'm like, well, now I'm in my living room doing the podcast, but I'm right. glad life has taken me to this moment. Um, that's That was my
1: goal, and I moved here, and yeah, you're right. I went into sketch comedy. Did you ever do sketch? Uh, I did sketch for a while. From stand-up, at the same time, I also got into improv. I was at okay. the comedy underground, which was in Santa Monica, taught by uh, Jeff Michalski and Jane Morris, gotcha. who started the uh, conservatory at the Second City in Chicago. And then from there, good good pedigree. Yeah, uh, they're outstanding, and they're still around today as well. Um, And from there, I did the IO West here in Los Angeles, and Mm -hmm. uh, so I did both improv and sketch at the IO. Do you still do improv? Uh, I would like to get back into it. I was kind of in it for a little bit, like on a two-man team for a little bit, uh, like a a year or so ago. That fell through, like many of the things that I do do. (laughs) And um, that's why I love (laughs) (laughs) Joey. We
0: have very similar (laughs) paths, I think. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, but uh, I I love the Improv Olympic as an institution. I yeah. I love the the atmosphere, uh, the people who are there.
0: You say the atmosphere of, of improv, and and we'll throw in sketch together. It's right. kind of generally it, it's totally two different disciplines, but looked at, it's about the same thing. But you mentioned the atmosphere. Isn't there a big difference between stand up and and improv and sketch?
1: You, did you find that too? There is, although they do complement each other. Yeah. Um. But it's interesting you say that because when I first started at the IO at that time they did not have stand-up comedy at the Improv Olympic. Right. And there was quite um, a divided line between mm-hmm. stand-ups and improv. Yeah. I, at and they, they didn't accept it for some reason. Like they didn't yes. think uh, I had not I
0: done uh, I had started sketch and improv down here in LA before I did stand up. I started sketch in ninety eight stand up in two thousand no, 2003, excuse me. But one of the warm-ups at the Groundlings at the time was to uh, a bit where you were pretending to be a stand-up comic, and we were making fun of it. So I would never wanted to do stand-up comedy, because I was like, no, that
1: was something we made fun of right. in the
0: Sketch World. Yucky yuck. We're yeah. not doing yuck, yucks.
1: So, that, yeah, there was a dividing line. They just felt that, um, that stand-ups were selfish, yeah. and that they weren't giving. Like they, it wasn't well, like the give-and-take nature. Well. Like, a, like an improviser, like they're so giving and accepting yeah. of gifts that you give them. Um, and then they were v- quite surprised to find out like I didn't divulge that I was a stand-up comic right. and then, then when they found out that I did do stand-up they were so surprised because I was not like what they had thought what or they had expected. been taught
0: there, there was some uh, a lack of tolerance within the comedy yeah. circle there really
1: was like a lot of bigotry
0: and and, and and vice versa you know in stand-up when someone shows up uh, to to uh, take a stand-up class and then they're you're, you know you hosted uh many times as well probably more than me by now but uh when you get someone who's like an actor not necessarily a successful or famous actor but just like an actor who's like oh yeah i'm trying to stand up you know it's like dot 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 to pad your resume right. and you think you can try this so everything is certainly a, a separate discipline but
1: incidentally uh those people are the ones who are booking the improv on a regular basis <laughs> and not me
0: they know comedy yeah, right um I found, too, though, when I when I transitioned, uh, when I say transitioned, I when I got voted and thrown out of the sketch world, uh, and I was kind of burnt out. And done, And done my friends, uh, Peter Sprite and Brian Keith Etheridge, were like, you need you need to go to stand-up. And then uh, my teacher at the time, Karen Mariam, was like, you need to go to stand-up because I want to hear your point of view on things. And that unlocked it for me. I was like, oh, let me try stand-up. Then I got there, and I went to the comedy store, and that's where you first kind of go. And I was like, this is not the fun, supportive environment that I just no. came from as competitive as the groundlings were, especially the higher you go into the class structure, um, it's still supportive and you still form solid friendships and you all want to succeed. And then you get to stand up and it's like, who the hell are you? Yeah,
1: You, 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 you know, ah, oh, it was cold. Did it's like you? a, it's one man ship. And uh, there's really no crew yeah. to support you. Even if you have people that you would hang out with and stand up, like you're still competing with them in some instances. Yeah. I mean, even if it's like a completely different, like if it, if i'm i'm someone who's more like of a seinfeldian type yeah comic i would say maybe and if i'm even if it's someone who's a prop comic i'm still like oh he better not be funnier than i am or right. else i'm going to have an issue with that guy i think we
0: all have the tendency it's very rare like someone and there's now we're getting to the point where some of our old um, you know colleagues are on tv shows or getting tv shows and, the, and it's so funny the instinct is to be like oh that, they weren't that funny <laughs> And over the last couple of years, and I think you and I are on the same page here, we've had these discussions so over the last couple of years, I've tried to change my brain to kind of be more like, instead of, ugh, they don't deserve that, to like, well, good for them. They worked hard. And a lot of these people, they work harder than, than the person next to them to right. get to that spot. Maybe right. they aren't the funniest, but what does that really get you sometimes? Um, so I, I, do you find yourself doing that too now, trying to be more
1: supportive? Yeah, and it is hard, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a very cognitive behavioral way that you have to, like, approach it. You, like, you really do have to fake support them <laughs> and be like, oh, good for them. You know, I'm glad you won last comic standing mm-hmm. after doing it for three years. So, I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, w- why wouldn't you be
0: happy for them?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean... It just, it
0: just eventually the negative energy starts to chew you up. It and really does. And I found, though, I found, though, with... with um, here's what happens. I've, As you know, uh, I've retired from stand-up at least two or three times. I find that every time that I retired, quote unquote, it's because I usually had a girlfriend or had started a new relationship, and a lot of negativity was gone out of my life. And right. So I was like, oh, I don't need stand-up right now. <laughs> and I guess it's a bad comment on the, uh, on the industry. Uh, but you are generally a... <laughs> am I
1: wrong, though? No, it's, it's true, though. I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. It's just, you do kind of fall off, and you come back in. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty normal, I think, for a lot of people. A lot of people kind of have that, sort of like, um, can't think of that. What sports figure retired a lot and then kept coming back and playing more? Oh, Brett Favre. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but I mean, you you do you stand up something that you can keep, you can come back to and yeah. and pick it up and not be too far behind, right? Uh, from where you stop when you stop doing it.
0: I found a couple times upon return. Um, I kind of was, uh, I don't want to say use the word better, but I was more calm and relaxed and on a better direction as a performer on stage. It's like you kind of step back over for a while and you're like, ah, I think I kind of get an angle on how to right. do this. I remember wow. the
1: last time that you did uh, Lydia ben Gomez's show yes. in Oxnard. Yes, and, and Crazy Randall up yeah. in Oxnard, yeah. And they had said, or Lou had said that you hadn't done stand-up in a while and you yeah. just went up there and just crushed it. And I was yeah. there a week after you and she actually commented on that and said that you had just oh, like gone yeah. up there and just killed it. Uh,
0: I and, then, and quite frankly, I did, and it's rare, rare for me to say that because you know self-loathing rules the day. But yeah, I had a great set, and then I got off stage and was like, "Awesome!" And I had uncovered the, a punchline to a joke that I've been working on for about a year, and I'm like, "That's the that's <laughs> it. I can't wait till next week. I'll do. I'll go somewhere. It's been three years. I just walked away. <laughs> it's
1: better to get out on top." Look, like you?
0: Steve Martin in 1980, just with a lot less success behind me. <laughs> just like I'm out. <laughs> um. You transitioned from there, uh, w- along with the rest of the world, into uh, the Internet. The Internet. This thing, the Internet. coming right. A uh, web series. Uh, you have, uh, uh, tell me about your web series that's going on now.
1: Well, let's see. Um, I'm in a w- involved in a web series called Good Times, mm-hmm. and it is the white version of the black TV show that used to be <laughs> on in the 70s. <laughs> and I play, okay, that's a lie. But maybe that's the direction that we should have gone with this show. <laughs> <laughs> just a straight yes. <laughs> just a straight white version. Yeah. Just uh just blackface, <laughs> all that good stuff. I play uh Janet Jackson's <laughs> part. Would have got I some hits. It. Yeah. No, it's uh it's a uh, my, my wife and her friend wrote the show mm-hmm. called Good Times and it's basically uh Write What You Know and they did. It's mm-hmm. about a restaurant and all the uh the coworkers and customers and crazy mm-hmm. things that are going on in a restaurant from a day to day basis. So it's basically a restaurant comedy and I played the manager and it's basically an amalgam of all the managers i have worked for throughout mm-hmm. my illustrious uh service industry career and yeah it's a good times web series it's up on youtube
0: and uh and it's been in a couple uh, little contests or festivals
1: yes we actually we were in the holly web festival that was about 3 weeks ago
0: oh i see what they did there
1: and it was uh, actually outstanding whereas it's uh one of those few times where i'm like hey you know we did a good did a good job here this is something to be proud of because uh right. they didn't take everybody there was a lot of other great shows in this festival as well as ours and this is a community this was almost like an improv community because everybody right. at this festival were so supportive of each other That's and great. especially of all people the Canadians like there were so many Canadians at this festival it's like Jesus. Like, did they just unlock the border and just say, "Come on in"? The
0: Canadians, they they know the web.
1: Right. They got the web. They're web essentialists. They got
0: the web down. Um, you you mentioned something I want to get into here. You you uh, it was your wife's co creation, and then you had to work. I mean, you you produced it as yes, well. I did. Uh, it wasn't like you just showed up in red lines, and she was like, "Honey, get over there, hit your mark." Um, you guys worked on it all together. Can I ask? Can I ask the big question? How was it working with your wife? on a production like this because uh, some people are great at it. Some people, you know, you don't date anyone in the workplace. Well, that's kind of the workplace. Now you're married to one of them. Yeah. Um, how was, did that work? It
1: was definitely the workplace. And I, I, I mean, I can honestly say that my wife and I work extremely well together. Oh, great. And it's something that we definitely noticed, but it's also something that other people have told us that yeah. we are uh, like, we're really funny together we play really well off of each other. Like yeah. we, We've done other like projects before. Yeah. And so this is just something that kind of just uh, happened as well. And uh, yeah, like I, I fell into the producer role because uh, actually my wife and her friend fired one of the directors and one of the producers. So uh, I didn't want to get fired for my part. So <laughs> I thought that I should just step in and help out. You should help. <laughs> uh,
0: you, you, yeah, you and your wife, uh, Meredith, do work great together, except on the tennis court. Where she just dominates, right, and takes she over, kind of, and kind of drags <laughs> you along for the ride.
1: She does. I'm almost like a a third arm of hers on the tennis court. She is
0: fierce. Yeah, I mean, tales of her fierceness on the tennis court are still being told at campfires. I know <laughs> around Studio City. Um, you are. You, can, I, I will pay you a compliment. And I mean this sincerely. I am kind of a uh, cynical uh, bastard when it comes to love and marriage and relationships. Uh, it's. Uh, it's. A, I could spend hours retching and kvetching about that. Uh, I gotta say, you and Meredith are one of those couples that I'm not saying it's all perfect, and it's all not it not without its hard work, like any marriage or relationship is. But yeah, you guys make it work. You Thank look you. at you look at uh, across the table at you guys, and you go, ah, now I see the benefits of a marriage. Now I see the benefits of a long term commitment when you find your partner, and I I mean that sincerely. Well,
1: that's nice. Yeah, I mean, what can I say? I I definitely lucked out with her. Yeah, and um.
0: Trust um, me, folks, he right. did. If you see uh, Joey yeah. compared to her. Yeah,
1: I, <laughs> I'm definitely a pale in comparison, and I literally pale oh, in comparison actually. to anybody, really. But, uh, yeah, she w- she's great. I lucked out. Um, yeah. We definitely compliment each other really well.
0: You do, and, you, and your wedding was great, too. Thanks for the invite.
1: Of course. I, I mean, maybe. it was a couple of
0: years ago now, but <laughs> I, uh, uh, Lou and I, Lou Santini, uh, uh, my roommate here, um, we... we still compare all other weddings food lists to what you guys provided. You really set the standard high for all the weddings to come in my life. We
1: did, and I'll yeah. give credit to my uh my now father-in-law with that because yeah. at the tasting, we actually had uh, some different items on the menu, and then after tasting, I'm like, we're going to go with this. And next day, the next day, day no, nope, we're going with the lobster. <laughs> That's fine with me.
0: <laughs> it was uh it was uh, in Malibu, <laughs> overlooking the ocean, of course. Uh, we yeah, had with steak and lobster and beautiful people all around us. Uh, you you got you got a good looking family and in laws and and cousins of cousins of cousins. Yeah. There. Uh, it was a it was a great fun time and a great wedding and uh, I'm, I'm so glad to, I'm so glad to look across at a friend and and I can confidently say, um, these guys got it, and 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 again, not no marriage is perfect and no marriage is without its hard work and and in this in this town right this town of Hollywood. Uh, it's great to see you guys as a couple working and then as, as professionals working together.
1: A- and where do you guys go from here? Do you form a little power team and take over Hollywood? What do you do? I mean, ideally, I think uh, we would love to do that. Yeah. We have, like, other projects that we're having or that are tr- we're trying to pitch, um, yeah. like, to uh, other networks, like another web series that we have that's right. actually about... Uh, an engaged couple planning their upcoming nuptials. It's mm-hmm. a comedy from the guy's point of view and the girl's point of view, and we're trying to, like, throw that around to TLC or That's a- anybody who actually will listen. Um, yeah. And, but, yeah, it's just I, I, I find that as I've gotten older, it's once I start listening to what people tell me, the things that I do well, and just start doing those things, like, I never was really a writer up until, like, uh, I wrote all my life, but I re- didn't really listen to like what my mom was telling me. You should write more. You should write more. And then finally when I wrote more, I, f- I feel like things developed a little bit more for me. And,
0: and the more you write, the more you learn. Yeah. you know, It's a page a day, they say, and, and I've, I've fallen off the track. And you and I uh, were supposed to work on a, something together, and life just kind of takes me in a different direction because I'm, I'm a jerk. Um, so that's still in the hopper. I still, I still want to learn to write with you. And, um, Absolutely.
1: That project, though, actually, uh, I sold for three million dollars. So, sorry you didn't get a part of that.
0: I have made a huge mistake.
1: I'm going to have happen. to work on that.
0: Um, uh, this is kind of a do-it-yourself Hollywood. I I, I call it that.
1: It, it certainly is now.
0: It is now. Yeah. And you can get a camera, and you can get a, a, a iMovie 11, and you can, you know, and we, you can do stuff. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good, and that's the catch for a lot of people they're like why well, I, I did i did a i vlogged for three minutes about my review on uh, arrow and uh, i didn't get any hits right. like just because you're there doesn't mean it's working you got to work hard on it um have you kind of taken up uh looked at things like i have i know we've talked about it but looked at it and said all right it's time to do it myself
1: absolutely um I feel like you're not even going to get noticed anymore unless you bring something to the table that's already completed. Right. And you brought up so many good points uh, Mm of what you just said, because one is, especially with the web series that we did with Good Times, like we didn't want to have something that looked horrible. Right. I mean, that's something I'm very precise about. Like the production value has to be really has to be there. You can't just take something on like your old uh, your video cam and and just shoot it and then think that it's going to look good.
0: I've gone into great debt over the last couple months buying equipment that's the right equipment because I wasted so much time and money and years on buying the next step down. And then, you know, you can't can't even, uh, you know, I produce a, a comic book review show with Tiffany Smith called Stacked, and she knows her stuff, and she's a very attractive woman who just, you know, beams on camera. I get one thing wrong in the edit, Maybe the lighting messes up something, a pop on the mic, and the YouTube comments just boom, boom,
1: boom, 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 boom. boom. Yeah, every, everybody's a critic. They're expecting I, perfection. Yeah,
0: the internet is not a place just to slack off and put something up. You, you, like you said, and your good good times web series was very well produced and looked sharp. Um, how much? How much? I, I don't want to ask how much money you put in that, but how much? How much time and effort did you go into pre production? How, how long before you guys shot?
1: Well, let's see. Uh, it was basically about a year since the girls had. Uh, originally sat down to write the okay. series, and then from there, uh, if my if my memory serves me, like I started helping them write it, and then uh, I think they had people that they had met. Um, so it was like a little bit over a year, like where they where they hired directors and got people on board, and then right. actually went through and and hired another director, and then when we got the location down, and oh yeah, and we also did a, an Indiegogo campaign. Oh, that's so right. So that took a little bit of the time as well, and, and helped out a lot with with yeah. some of the slack of uh. I don't want to say I'm a
0: hero, but I I did contribute y- to that. Yes, you. And were. I do have an autographed uh, copy of the script in my uh, in my room, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which. And, uh, yeah. We could do dramatic readings of them. Uh, <laughs> we could do a
0: total <laughs> dramatic reading of <laughs> the Good Time Web Series. I think it was uh, episode three or two that I I got. The best one in my mind was was three, right? That's the one I'm saying right. Like I know it. Sh- it was right. <laughs> that was the one with y- your your line with the uh, you had the older couple. Oh yeah, the birthday. Yeah, yeah. I thought that one. Uh, that one was. Uh,
1: yeah, that's the one that we uh, we showed at the festival. Oh, so good. that, was, that good. was uh Yeah, definitely a favorite. But you're definitely yeah. right on the. Uh, on the do-it-yourself Hollywood now because, yeah. I mean, you can't even really, like, approach an agent anymore. Right. Or or anybody, for that matter, who has, like, substantial Hollywood credit that you want to be a part of mm-hmm. and they really want to see something completed. Like, you can't really just show them a script. Like, they want to see right. either a trailer for the script or they want to see the entire movie completed right. before they even give you any money and say, okay, let's reshoot it.
0: Yeah, the days of uh, I mean, the economy has hit Hollywood too, and there's no productions in L.A. You know, you hear all that stuff, and that stuff's true. I know people on the production side of things and set designers and all that kind of stuff who are losing their houses and they're having to move, and they're having because the the economy, uh, the downturn has hit Hollywood too. So yeah, they're not. This isn't the '90s where you know a 1993 action spec script can get uh, two million. Right. Um, yeah, you have to go out and do it, and the internet allows you to do it. The equipment, the the lower the lowering of the cost of equipment. Um, Certainly, like Patton Oswalt's famous speech is, you know, there's more power in this iPhone than than Orson Welles had. Um, You still have to have the discipline to do it. And, um, you know, I I look at what you guys do with Good Times. I mean, that's a a year from from script to to shooting. Yeah, That's a
1: lot of work. It is. And um, I don't know. I mean, more so, I think, on the girls, because they really made it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of just, they would ask me for advice, and I would try to help them out and, and try to... You know, give my, you know, Mm -hmm. version of uh, the comedy rules to them. Stuff that I had (laughs) learned. How did did that go? Uh, (laughs) How did that
0: go? I mean, it's a funny web series, (laughs) but there had to be some arguments you lost, right?
1: I lost quite a few of them.
0: (laughs) How did you lose them? Um, Can you reenact for me a little bit of that conversation? Because, again, again, uh, your (laughs) wife Meredith, on a tennis court, fierce. She's Mm -hmm. the sweetest lady you meet her in person. What a sweet, on tennis court, it's like, you you messed up your (laughs)
1: shot wasn't really so much of, of an argument. Like, I would get the script, and then I would I would put in my version of how, I'm like, maybe it should go like this. And I put it in, yeah. and the next thing you know, the script would come back, and it would be back to the original way that oh, it geez. was. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, but maybe you should think about it. No. But, I mean, it it, it, it worked out. Somehow, yeah. like, it, it worked out. Like it, for, well, for all I knew, I didn't know what a clutch was, and one of the episodes was about a clutch, which is a women's. A little hand, tiny purse, yes, right? Handbag. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't really, I'm like, oh, not everybody's going to know what this is. And, you know, I would try to change that. I, I would write purse each time. They're like, stop doing that. It's a clutch. Everybody knows what a clutch is, okay?
0: <laughs> Wordage is very specific in yes. these times. Just ask the president. <laughs> um, you and I, I like I say, we're in this s- similar genre. And what I mean by that is we're 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 a couple of... Uh, uh, angry. Angry, no. We're a couple of just uh, average, and I say that in a good way. We're just kind of good blokes who came to this town with some dreams and we came to this town young, and uh, time has passed. And so I want to get to have kind of a, in, in the time we got left here, about 10 minutes, have a serious discussion here. We're getting older, Joey. Joey, we're getting older. I have no hair anymore. When you met me, I had a little bit of hair. Now it's, you could land a helicopter. <laughs> You're studying my hair right <laughs> now. Uh, yeah, it's gone. You still got some beautiful locks, my Irish friend. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you feel pressure? Of course, to succeed. Yeah,
1: I wonder like if I had messed up that bad like during my twenties. So if yeah. I, I'm always I think about that a lot. Like if I had, hadn't done gone down this road. Yeah, like if I had just concentrated more on this and like. But yeah. I mean, it's so different now too because uh, in my when I was in my 20s, they didn't have casting director workshops. That mm-hmm. wasn't the norm. Now, right. for an actor, like you have to go and participate in casting director workshops if you want to get called in for a, a co-star role or a guest star role right. on any show that's on television right now. And right. when I say casting director workshops, these are workshops that like, ca- you pay and casting directors come to do their normal job <laughs> and have them read the sides from their show with you. <laughs> what a racket. Yes. And it sounds like such a scam, it do- but does. they don't even put these roles on uh, breakdown services anymore. They will pull from their files from the workshops to call people in. That's a racket. I'm so, calling.
0: I'm calling racket.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> that's a, you said it right there. You pay them to do their job it's, exactly, and then maybe it works out for you.
1: But that's um, how this whole town has has yeah. completely gone to like the do-it-yourselfer. Yeah. Basically, I paid money to put this project together to. That's a, that's someone else's job, right? To pr- to produce my show, and
0: then you get celebrities going on Kickstarter, <laughs> you know, with all their syndication money behind them. I need two million dollars, no, please. please don't, please, to make my movie. God, I'm going to make it the way I want to if you give me your money. Oh man, oh man, has your definition of success changed? Uh, you mentioned Saturday Night Live. When I moved to this town, that's why I moved here. I chose. I'm going to come here I'm going to go to the groundlings and I'll get an audition I'll get on SNL and that's my goal mm-hmm. um, I get things change and I'm happy with where I am it doesn't if you read my Twitter feed it doesn't sound like I am but that's I'm happy where I am but my definition of success has changed I never really was chasing fame but I'm not chasing the big house on the hill and the fancy parties and, 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 and being on network television uh, my definition has of success has changed has yours changed and what has it changed to?
1: Uh, let's see, I would definitely say it has changed. Um, it almost had to because, yeah, like I really wanted to be on SNL, and then I, you know, quickly realized through talking with a lot of people that, mm-hmm. you know, people, uh, people like, are you prepared to like, you know, live in New York? Like, you, sh- you should right. be in New York, and yada yada yada, things kind of like, you know, fell out of place with that. And now I kind of see myself as, uh, you know, not being able to audition for certain roles anymore that mm-hmm. maybe I thought I could have. So I don't. I don't even know. Like I can't really gauge what success is anymore with right. YouTube, and you know the way that television has gone and 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 features nowadays. Like, yeah, for me, success would be if I booked a part this year. Then I would be mm-hmm. like, hey, that was that was pretty good because I haven't booked anything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I haven't tried. So but you're ahead of me.
1: I mean. <laughs> I mean, I, I've gotten one pilot that I thought that was a big deal, and that was yeah. with Big Boy from Power One Hundred and Six, and that I have heard nothing from that, and that was two years ago. Yeah, and and right. for some reason, I think that I should still listen to his morning show because he's going to actually talk about <laughs> it at some point. <laughs> He'll
0: announce it. Yes, <laughs> coming back from the break, Joey <laughs> Rockenstein gets cast, and uh, the show gets picked up.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> Call in now. <laughs> Fifth caller get your gets his TI
0: roll. Um. So as we get older, uh, as we get older, uh, we're still um. We're still doing our day jobs. Um, Yours is in the service industry, mine in the private security industry. Um, Do you have those moments of... uh, I do, and uh, do you have those moments of just utter fears, like this is it? How do you deal with
1: those? It's extremely hard because I've been doing that for so long. Yeah. And
0: uh, (laughs) I hate to get deep here, but I need to know because I'm I'm battling through it a lot. Trying to deal with it. It's just
1: complete insanity because I hate it when people say... Like, if I'm like, I don't want to wait tables anymore. And then everybody's Mm -hmm. like, well, what else are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't don't know. (laughs) What else can I do? (laughs) And then I had the fear of, like, well, if I did try to do something else for a day job, that that would be it. Like, that's almost like if I put that much energy into trying to do something else, then that's kind of like almost shutting the door on trying to succeed at at, at comedy or writing or any of that stuff that I've already put this much effort into.
0: I've turned down promotions in my line of work, and I've taken some, but I've turned down some occur- over the years because, no, can't do that. That would end my dream. i got to have my time free. And wh- where I really messed up looking back is my work ethic suffered, my discipline, You know, me saying, well, I like getting off. At- I keep that job because I get off at 2.30, then I can go home and write all day. Really, that meant play, play Madden. <laughs> That's what that really meant yes. for five years was play Madden and maybe some wrestling, you know, uh, or barbecue with my friends. So that has changed, and that has changed, and that took some age uh, and wisdom and, and maturity to. And a drunken weekend in Vegas where I was by myself, staring into the stars at night, going, "I have failed."
1: At everything. And you drove out to Vegas by yourself? Yeah,
0: I was in Vegas by myself in August of last year. Oh, it was great, and I had that moment where I was like, "I have failed," and a lot of my friends later on were like, "No, no, don't be, no, you, uh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not self loathing here. I'm stating a fact, right." And if you don't state that fact, I failed in certain areas and I'm not getting to where I need to be, then it's going to completely pass you by. I still got time. I'm 37. I still got time, I feel, to do whatever it is I'm meant to do. Um, but I'm, I'm still struggling with it. I am still get that, l- that sweat dripping down my forehead going, oh, no. I may, have, may, I may have been the type that took my shot and it's over. Um, I, I'm, I'm struggling. So yeah. I'm reaching out to my fellow people going, how do you get through it? Do you get through it? Do you deal with that? Am I alone in that? No, not at all. I mean, it's just... Because like we're funny, talented people. We absolutely are. We all are down in this town. It's just about cracking some kind of code. We're taking some kind of casting workshop. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, like That's even hard for me to answer because I struggle with that. I feel often where... Joey's I, crying right I now. I don't... <laughs> any tissues please um like i don't want to like i because i i listen to my coworkers at work a lot and they're people i work with some working actors but they're Mm. also still working in a restaurant yeah that kind of says something to me that you know even if you are booking stuff or you're having some kind of success that you do need to fall back on some sort of foundation yeah because i actually uh i worked with this one guy who was he booked roles every so often, but he said, "Yeah, I was sitting around at home too much, so that's why I wanted to get back and work in in, in a restaurant." Okay. And I said, at that time, I was like, "Wow, that is really the dumbest thing I could, and anybody's really ever said to me, but also right. one of the smartest things because I can understand right. it." Right. Um, but you just like I never know who I'm going to meet at one of these one right. uh, one of my restaurants. Like I've I've talked to. Uh, one of the first ads from Entourage, and you know he was trying to help me out for a while to maybe get in right on his show, but then he was mm-hmm. like, you know, um, he's like Doug Allen or mm-hmm. th- I think that was the showrunner at the time. It's like you don't want to work for that guy anyways. He's horrible to work with. You know he, right. you know the writers' room is a is anarchy in there. Um, so. I, could, I just don't know who, who I'm going to meet. And I kind of have to tell myself because even if it's not, if that is what's going to happen or what isn't going to happen, like I kind of have to keep telling myself every time I punch in because I'm usually only depressed between the hours of clocking in and clocking out. <laughs> Absolutely. So
0: <laughs> I have uh, broken down in tears in my uh, beat-up 2004 Toyota Camry on the way to work several times, at least once a week for the last three months. Um, but it's a good thing. It refocuses your, your mind sometimes. Um and also too i uh, you know, in my day job that I've been in for fourteen years, I've met ninety percent of the most important people in my life have come from that job somehow some way. right, and so you can't you know life takes you to where it's going to take you, but I'm definitely choosing now work harder and try to work harder than the next guy unless that next guy's Joey rockenstein, right One can only hope it's like Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm so happy for you, Joey. I'm so happy for you. Uh, <laughs> But no. I feel that,
1: it, I mean, we have, like, this network of people that we work with now where I feel that it's, like, Sandler has that, Adam yeah. Sandler has that, and I forget who else, but they have, like, that network where every Sandler movie you watch, his buddies are in the movie. So yeah. it seems like that he he was the one who broke through, and then he just kind of took everybody along with him.
0: There's that, and I'm I'm currently tapped into uh, the Schmoes no Empire with Christian Harloff and Mark Ellis, and, and Christian uh, I will give him credit to my dying day. He builds a community. He tries to build a community. Let's all, let's all gather together, and we're going to storm the castle. Um, doesn't mean it's always going to work, but it, there's a sense of community with right. him. Uh, and, and there are those people. where um, you, we're, we're a team. Let's all get together because we, we're, we're like-minded, similar people with similar skills, and you bring this, and I bring
1: this, and let's get together. And Christian's a great example too because I love people's stories and I know Christian Mm -hmm. has a great one where he used to work for Joel Silver Mm -hmm. and great producer and Christian like just somebody who knew how to keep the contacts that he made and I think that has helped him immensely. Absolutely, and I think he's definitely gone down a completely different road than he had ever imagined, like I admired yeah. him because he was a comedy store regular, and I wanted yeah. for the longest time to have my name on the side of that stupid wall at the <laughs> comedy store. Let's just go tonight I, and write I, it right. I mean I got some <laughs> paint, let's do it. you <laughs> I mean, just need some white chalk paint, and you'll be fine. let's do it <laughs> <laughs> um
0: yeah yeah and 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 I like finding those type of people and, and we got to get you on the schmo's note too. We got to get you in to talk about maybe uh best uh restaurant movies. Because we can we never can we can never separate you from your day job, just like people never separate me from mine <laughs> <laughs> or my other interests. Um, we're gonna bring you back, Joey, here on the Napster Files. We're wrapping up here. I want to talk about uh, on another episode. I want to talk about your podcast and your podcasting experience with the Bitter Bistro podcast. It's bitter, and um, bringing your your day job into your experiences and into your creative endeavors, and talk more about how your wife absolutely destroys you on a tennis court, literally with a tennis racket. She just just <sniffs> constant.
1: Not just on the tennis court, mind you.
0: <laughs> that is a daily... A <laughs> different kind of show. Uh, Joey, thanks for coming by the uh, Napsock Files studios here. This was great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to bring you back, and that is another exciting, exciting issue episode. I always say issue, but it's an episode here, the NapSack Files. Stay tuned. Uh, we're going to have a lot more to come uh, in, pr- uh, in upcoming episodes with people who are, are very interesting, because I, myself, am boring. I'm Ken NapSack. That's the Napsock Files. We'll see you next time.